Welcome back to Ghostbusters Minute. Ghostbusters Minute is the fan podcast that chronicles and overanalyzes the classic 1984 film Ghostbusters Minute by Minute. I'm Kyle. I'm Brady. And today we are joined by a very special guest, a good friend of ours, Mr. Chris McMahon. Chris, how are you doing this morning? Doing great. Hello, hello. Thank Glad you so much for joining us today. We really appreciate you, have you, 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 you coming in and giving us your time. Been wanting to do this for a long time. Always been interested in Ghostbusters at a level uh, beyond the average person. So yeah. uh, really uh, grateful Far. to be here. Far beyond the average person. Far beyond the average person, yeah. And, you know, we had uh, a guy named Christopher Stewart on our podcast a few weeks ago, and he is the one of the original um, web presences of Ghostbusters. Uh, he had he owns ProtonCharging.com. I don't know if you've ever been to that website. I'm sure you probably have. It, I've heard of you it. Heard I of it, have yeah. been there. <laughs> uh, and he was kind of uh, one of the first guys in the digital age to jump on the kind of the Ghostbusters fandom thing. Uh, you... Probably your obsession predates the internet, I would believe, right? right. Did you see Ghostbusters when it was in theater? In the th- I, the theater? I did see it in theater, and um, one of my Christmas presents as uh, shortly after that was the two-box VHS set. Wait, there oh, was wow. a two-box edition of it? There was a, oh, well... I got it after Ghostbusters 2. Oh, I already know what you're talking about. So it had two, Ghostbusters 1 and... Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I, I had that two-box set. And that was... I didn't have it individually uh, before that, but I remember getting the two-box set and being very excited about it. So w- do you think your... Did your obsession start after you walked out of the theater as a kid seeing Ghostbusters? Or was it kind yeah, of Yeah, and I, I'll tell you what. And right after that, they did a pretty good job. They jumped into the real Ghostbusters cartoon. Yes. And it did a good job of uh, continuing that. Yeah. And I always was fascinated at it because Slimer was good. Yes. Yeah. During that, and I was always fascinated by that. And yeah. then, and uh, I just remember, okay, that's not their real voice. Yeah. I remember because it was different people. <laughs> it's those things, but it it continued my fascination with it, and uh, you know, into my teens. Mm-hmm. And into my college years, uh, and might be jumping ahead, but I'll, I can tell you this, that when I would come home from a bar, I would think, well, what am I going to fall asleep to? <laughs> and nearly every night, I would put that VHS of the first Ghostbusters in. Really? And I could always tell the level of how much fun I had that night <laughs> by how many TV screens that I could see. And whether or not I had to hold my, my eyes closed yeah. to be able to see it, but... It wasn't necessary because I basically knew everything that was going to yeah. happen. Anyway. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's true fandom right there. Yeah, so when it was a four Vankman night, you had a pretty good time, right? It, exactly. Yeah. And <laughs> I can say that if I ever came across somebody that was not really familiar with it, I always thought, I don't want to say less of them, but yes. uh, baffled. Yeah. You know, you don't have to love it, but you should know it. Exactly, yeah. It, you know, it's funny because we talk time to time like, I've had this experience in my life several times where I meet a, a young woman uh, and she would be like, I've never seen Star Wars. And I'm trying to decide if that was true or if that was just kind of like, why don't you come over and hang out with me and we'll watch Star Wars. Ghostbusters is a little bit different because it's, I think it's a little bit more rare to find someone who says, I haven't seen Ghostbusters at all. It seemed like kind of part of just the growing up in the United States at some point in time, you know, your parents are going to sit down and show you like a laser disc of Ghostbusters or something like that. Right. Yeah. So, uh, you have made your own. Now you're not a member of one of these official Ghostbusters societies, are you? No, but I, I you know, knowing that uh, and talking to Brady about this, 
uh, I think it's something that I probably should be a part of. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, you there's know? there is a Louisiana chapter of the Louisiana Ghostbusters. See, I did not even know that. Well, and it, it seems like you know we haven't met anybody over there, but uh, the, there's a documentary that came out recently. It's on Netflix. It's called Ghost Heads. Have you seen that yet? No. Okay, I think you'd really enjoy okay. it. But it's kind of like about the community of Ghostbusters and Ghostbusters fans, and they take a couple of members of like I think like the New Jersey Ghostbusters and the Atlanta Ghostbusters. I think. Oh yeah, from all over, but, all over the country. Yeah, but the Louisiana Ghostbusters are featured predominantly on it. And uh, I know that they do a lot of charity work and stuff like that. So uh, yeah, would that was it? So you have made your you're independent. You're not part of one of those Ghostbusters groups, but you've made your own like costume proton pack. Yes, I have, uh, and I have a proton pack. And I I remember I started working on it, uh, unfortunately, too closely to one Halloween, and I held it over and did it the next year. So you had the commitment to continue and have it the next year. Yeah, yeah. I remember getting a phone call. And I was so defeated that actually. That was a year we had actually met out and ended up having to throw something together at the last second. Oh, yeah. Oh. Yeah. I got and, a, a call. Uh, Brady, a freak out. Yeah. Brady was Fifty Shades of Grey, by the way. But, uh, That's right. And I just put on a, a robe and looked like the big Lebowski or something. <laughs> but uh, It was pretty awesome. I was so defeated uh-huh. that I could not get that done in time. I just didn't know what to do. That's and I've had other Halloweens that it just didn't matter, but I wanted that so bad, yeah. and I was so... Couldn't believe I hadn't done that before, mm-hmm. that when I finally made the commitment to do it, I wanted to do it right. And there were other things that you could buy online that were really cheap. I didn't have the money, and I would rather do it myself and do it as much right as I could do it, oh, yeah, as opposed to not doing it the doing it justice yes. and buying these like just really cheaply made proton packs that I just think... Any real Ghostbusters person would be embarrassed to have that on their back. Oh yes, no, that's absolutely that's that's total commitment to the cause right there. Right, you know, you see that too with Ghostbusters fans. Is a lot of them create their own yeah. proton packs and yeah. uh, jumpsuits and things like that. You know, you, you rarely see like the inflatable thing, uh, which yeah, is fine if that's what somebody wants. To if do. if it's if it's kids, I think yeah. that's one thing you don't want to go spend a bunch of money on that. But I can tell you this: that's the first proton pack I've done, but. It's not accurate enough as far as I'm concerned, and, and I've seen the YouTube videos, and I want to do one right yeah, one of yeah. these days and win one of these contests. You know, I, when you're not this, winnable. I'm imagining, like, the artist who's up all night, like, creating something, you know, and then maybe, mm-hmm. like, your wife comes in, like, honey, come to bed, and you're like, it's not perfect, and you just smash it to the ground. <laughs> oh, yeah. like, I have to start all over again, but you, you oh, really yeah. feel that way, right? Oh, yeah, it's, it's got to be done right. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, I mean, even though mine looked good, mm-hmm. I was very critical but it, it it was it was good enough. But let me tell you this: if I was going to some convention with other people that had uh, my interest in the movie and everything that surrounds it, I certainly wouldn't have worn it. It wasn't good enough for that, as yeah. far as I was concerned. It was good enough for the it was way good enough for the average person. Yes, yeah. But, but not as if I was going somewhere to actually be a part of if they had a Ghostbusters con or something like yeah. that. It, that's the kind of thing that keeps you in check. Uh, we have a friend who is a cosplayer, and she was at Dragon Con this last weekend, which is the Atlanta uh, comic book convention. Mm-hmm. And she was posting pictures of all the cosplay people do. She's extremely detailed about the armor. She she went as a demon hunter from the video game Diablo 3. Yeah. And all of the armor she was making, she molded herself. And when you see someone with like that level of commitment, uh, you know, even though you might work on, you pour your heart into something like that, when you get there, you realize like there's people that are on like a whole other level. Like this is like a second job to them. But right. but what do you you do you think when you make this next proton pack, this next outfit, are you going to go like all in on it? And you know, well, that's the thing. I have to have 
it wouldn't be for probably a regular Halloween party. Yeah. Now there is like there's a costume party that pays like five thousand dollars at the casino. Okay. But here's the thing, I don't think they would appreciate it. So it would be something to where hey, you know, if we knew in an event that people were going to be doing things, uh-huh. that would be what I would go all in with. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'm I'm gonna wait till it was. I want to wait till it's people that would actually appreciate it as opposed to, you know, if if I knew I could do it, hey, that'd be $5,000. Well, that would just be stupid not to do. But I don't believe they would know that, hey, that's a great proton pack or that's not a great proton pack. So it's not worth it for me to do it for that person. It's worth it to do it to a bigger audience that will appreciate what a proton pack is supposed to look like and how close I could make it to look like that. Exactly. And I think sometimes at those like casino held one, like another one you guys went to, I remember seeing pictures of it and it was, uh, you know, there's some really good costumes there. Yeah. The alien one. Yeah. There was a a xenomorph. There was a group of people who were on a roller coaster. That was the costume. I love that kind of stuff. That's really clever. But did, I'm, I'm, I'm just assuming here. A beautiful young woman who keeps herself in regular shape. Did she win the five thousand dollar award for maybe her poison ivy costume or something I, I, like that? I really can't remember. They, I don't think they're that they're that vain with it. They yeah. really aren't. Uh, most bars would do that. That's what I'm thinking. That's and what I was kind of getting at. The one of the guys that judges it, uh, uh, Ronnie Rance, he's not going to do that. Uh, they, they're not going to do that there. Now a lot of the bars like. Yeah. You know, I remember like Red Star and some of the places that we used to go. Oh, yeah, you used to judge. Uh, I'm yes, putting it Brady. You used yeah. to judge yeah. at one of they those, might. didn't you? Yeah. No, he won one year as uh, Patrick Bateman. I did. I remember yeah, that. Did. Yeah, and that was when like, I was judging, I think it was like Humpty Dumpty cool. or something. I mean, this dude had a really cool costume where it was him, like, his head was the egg, and then the rest of him was like the brick wall or something. Yeah. I can't remember. Um, he had little arms that moved. Yeah, I was like, who yeah. thinks of that? Who thinks yeah. I'm going to go out to a bar and dress as Humpty Dumpty? It was so Dumpty. cool. Was, I threw in an extra yeah. $100. Oh, did That's you? That's how cool <laughs> I thought it was. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, like uh, a casino right right that. I mean, it, it's, it's, and I don't even know if a, pro, uh, a Ghostbuster with a correct proton pack is even a winnable contest thing unless you were at a Ghostbusters actual costume contest for people. So it's, it's like one of those things that, you know, it's not like the alien where all of these, you're talking about custom, uh, you know, custom everything, you know? So, uh, but you know, it's pretty, it's, it's, it's cool to do, but it it will take, uh, something like, uh, and I'm sure they will have some kind of convention where like that. Uh, they might have them. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Usually the comic book conventions have like a costume that section. Would be, yeah, and, and that would be something. I've never mm-hmm. been to one of those, but I think they've had them in New Orleans before. There's one in New Orleans. I don't know that we have one here in Baton Rouge, which is, is funny because the size of our population, we probably should have one. Okay, note to self, make comic book convention for Baton Rouge. Hello. Profit. Okay. I'm telling you that that there, uh, there are tons of people interested in that. And I think something like that would take off really oh, yeah. quickly. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And Ghostbusters would be kind of a great lead-in because it's something that has like one foot in the mainstream, the other foot in the nerdy stuff as right. well. You know, like it, like we were saying earlier, it's not too difficult to find someone who it, you really have to try to find someone who hasn't seen it. You know, right. especially growing up like we did, it was on TV all the time. Yeah, everybody had a VHS copy of it. It's pretty easy to access. So something like Ghostbusters might be a great gateway to get somebody to come to one well, of those conventions. You look at the actors and actresses in that mm-hmm. <clears throat> when it comes to uh, Bill Murray. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he transcends Sigourney Weaver. Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. You know, I mean, when you're talking about, uh, uh Harold Ramis yeah. and everything that he's done, 
I mean, these are people that are beyond just somebody that might be obsessed with a goofy comedy. This is beyond that. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what I think makes it go to the mainstream. Right, yeah. It's actual skilled filmmakers getting in there right. and making a movie with kind of some nerdy a nerdy uh, background to it. Yeah. Exactly. Which also just goes to show the, uh, you know, level of interest that these people had, these artists had, and how much they believed in this material, in this script, is you had people who weren't doing something, like you said, this this strange, this left of center, uh, coming out and doing it. It's, I don't know, it just... And Dan Aykroyd, who might be as, as good an actor as any of them. Oh, I yeah. Think about him, yeah. Absolutely. Pro- yeah. Prolific, uh, you know, uh, catalog of stuff the guy's been in, so... Well, you want to get into the minute? Yeah, we're going to go ahead and get into the minute here. I know that you have some opinions on Walter Peck, correct? Chris. I do. Good, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we'll get to hear about all that. Now, if you remember, in the previous minute, we were introduced to the EPA investigator, Walter Peck. Peck has asked Peter Vankman if he can see the onside, on-site ghost storage facility. We start off at minute number 47. Vankman responds to Peck's request with a hard no. At 47.01, Peck asks Vankman why he cannot see the storage facility. Vankman responds, because you didn't use the magic word. Walter Peck then asks what the magic word is. Vankman responds, please. Walter Peck then asks if he can please see the storage facility. Vankman responds by asking why Peck wants to see the storage facility. At 4725, Peck tells Vankman that he is curious and that he wants to know more about what the Ghostbusters do. Walter Peck tells Vankman that there have been a lot of wild stories in the media about their operation and that he wants to assess the environmental impact of their operation and the possibility of noxious or poisonous hazardous waste chemicals present in the Ghostbusters HQ basement. At 4743, Peck tells Vankman that either he has shown what is down in the basement or he will come back with a court order. At 4746, Venkman tells Peck to come back with a court order and he'll be sued for wrongful prosecution. Peck tells Venkman that he can have it his way then. At 4756, we cut to the headquarters basement where Egon, Ray, and Winston are checking out their equipment and having a smoke. Egon tells Ray that it's getting awfully crowded inside the containment unit and that all of his recent data points to something big on the horizon. And thus ends minute number 47. So, as we were saying yesterday in the previous minute, this kind of represents the first real-life or real-world bad guy in the movie. Later on, we do get Gozer introduced you know we see the terror dogs come to life here very shortly uh, but this is the first indication of there being like any real uh, real world obstacle for the Ghostbusters outside of themselves up until this point they had Dean Yeager and they had the hotel manager kind of represent a problem for them but their biggest issue has been their own management of money putting together a business stuff like that Walter Peck is the first real world problem they're having to deal with and I know you have some opinions on Walter Peck correct Chris well that's the thing um when you watch this movie for the first time, everybody hates Walter Peck. Yeah. When you think about this movie, looking back at it as a movie that you enjoyed, no matter what level you look at it, you think, that's a bad guy. Yeah, yeah. But I did a little research years ago, and I just looked up Walter Peck, and somebody <laughs> had come up with a T-shirt. And it said, what if Walter Peck was right? Yes. The Ghostbusters <laughs> were using uh, nerve gases, you know. Totally. Uh, now, that might be a little extreme. But if you think about, in the whole scheme of things, if somebody was catching ghosts, all right. Now, obviously, we saw the movie. We see the ghost. We know the ghosts are real. Yes. But if we just put it in everyday society... There's probably not everybody that's seeing those ghosts, okay? You hear people about, you know, you hear conspiracy things all all the time nowadays. But you hear people are catching ghosts. You hear that supposedly they're putting in some type of containment system. 
uh, or unit. Is it strange to think that someone from the EPA would want to go take a look at it and just to make sure that everything's okay? Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. If you were housing the ghost, unless you were doing something that you knew could possibly be wrong, would you have a problem showing it to them? Knowing that if, hey, they look at it and everything's fine, we're not going to have any trouble. By being belligerent, what, what would have happened if he actually did let him look at it? Totally, yeah. I mean, by the looks of the way it, the way it looked, it didn't look like it was crazy. Now, I'm sure there would have been more details that would have to be given as... Yeah, if the ionization rate is uh, stable, you know. Yeah, yeah. Huh? You know, if it, I mean, I'm sure there'd be something. Yeah, yeah, they'd be have to be more information given. But I think it was bad communication by Peter, right there. You know, uh, as far as how to handle the situation, and what happens if, I mean, you don't even have a movie if you really think about it. Yeah, you know, <laughs> if the, if if it doesn't. You know, if it doesn't actually come to the point where he comes back, which I know that's later, but uh, it's it's a problem that could have been prevented. Exactly. If he would have just let the guy do his job. Peter Venkman's kind of creating his own problem. Yeah, just effect. because he doesn't want to play ball with this person uh, who's trying to size him up. Yeah. And that leads to, you know. But the, the, one, the thing where Peter could have been uh, insulted is Peter has PhDs in psychology and parapsychology. Yes. He's Dr. Vinkman. This guy constantly calls him Mr. So in that sense, he is a bad guy. He is showing this man, he's showing somebody that is a doctor complete disrespect multiple times. So if he's corrected once, that's understandable. But he continues to say, Mr. Vinkman, Mr. Vinkman, he's Mr. Vinkman. He's making a point to do that. To the yeah. point where Peter, because he's, you know, he wears his emotions on his sleeve, he has a short fuse anyway, he's not going to like that. So maybe if Peck showed him more respect in the beginning by calling him doctor, then yes. you look at it the other way, it wouldn't have come to the situation where Peter got so mad. That's right. Absolutely. So that's two different ways that I think you can look at that. I don't think he, other than... The first time when Peter corrects him and says, Dr. Vinkman, that's the only time Peck calls him doctor, correct? He, he responds like, okay, doctor, like as right. in, in that's a very exactly, condescending that's the only time. Yeah. I made the mistake a few years ago of calling someone Mr. who was a doctor, and I was correctly, uh, I was, I was very swiftly corrected on that, and I made sure not to make but that you mistake didn't do again. It again. In my entire life, every time I meet a doctor, I make a point to say doctor, right. doctor, Nova, because I mean, with all due respect, you you go through the you know school to get a doctor. To, you know right. you, you want to be called doctor, and and they should be paid that respect. If they had just let him down there, like you're saying, the EPA just wants to see is there any nuclear waste right. running to you know through the cracks to get in the water system. Right. Walter Peck also mentions later on that they use uh, you know lasers and you yeah. know all that stuff to kind of fool people. That's kind of outside of what the EPA usually exactly. deals with. That's the Better Business Bureau. So if right. Walter Peck walks out of there and says, "Okay, at least they're not having chemical runoff, you know, going down a drain that's spilling into the water supply." The EPA's work is done. You know, we'll come back next month, you know, or a year from now and make sure that the equipment's up to standards. The whole sideshow of them, you know, causing hallucinations and tricking people that's outside of his realm of jurisdiction. Right. He probably would have just left alone 
and we wouldn't have the end. Of it the was movie. a personal. That that's when it yeah. became yes, personal. Exactly. And yeah. He was going to get him, and he was going to say whatever he could at that point. Yeah. No matter what. And th- this kind of what we said before is uh, Ghostbusters definitely is a product of the '80s. That character Walter Peck represents is present in a lot of movies. And he's in Caddyshack. Uh, he's exactly. in a lot of Harold Ramis movies. So that kind of elitist attitude against the everyman is something that you saw a lot of. So. I think it's funny that the apocalypse is caused because of a pissing contest <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> between between two professionals. It is, mm-hmm. yeah. But yeah. that's you know, that's the kind of thing you see in this movie. So it's funny that um all of this is coming from one, Peter not wanting to play ball, and two, a grown man just wanting to say just trying to be condescending. Yeah. And look where that leads. To the literal biblical apocalypse. Yeah. <laughs> well, I can tell you that it's the line that I love and my friends and I for years have laughed about is May I please see the storage facility, Mr. Finkman? Yeah. I didn't know I if you were going to do it. He has a great... Because <laughs> I want to know what you do here. You know, I love that. You know, that's been my favorite for years. William Atherton is so good in this movie. Yeah. You know, he's just, he plays it so well. He just, you hate him when he you says that. You hate him. And, and what, what better way to know that you have a good actor is you hate him. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And he becomes typecast. So he, yeah. he's like yes. guaranteed work for the rest of his career. But it's, I, that's Walter Peck. Yeah. Yeah. Just like, I mean, there's, a, there's plenty of them like that. And the mouth is hardly moving. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah they tried to do this again in Ghostbusters 2 and have the, uh, the you know, human villain in it. I can't remember the character. Oh, the it's, you know I know, about? but it, that was... He was like the mayor's... Oh, right the mayor's man. assistant. Yeah. 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 And that yeah. guy's he's not the same. It's, no. Uh, yeah. And, you know... He was in No Holes Barred with Hulk Hogan. What? That's right, as he was. As the... Uh, as the uh, villain. Yeah. And that was a terrible movie. There's a career. Oh, my God. No holds barred. And I remember because I was big into wrestling going to see that in the theater, too. <laughs> How I'm not were... proud of that. <laughs> so there's a difference of walking out of Ghostbusters and being just elated and saying, like, oh, my God, this has opened up a new world to me. And then seeing No Holds Barred and just being completely disappointed. Oh, right? <laughs> oh yeah. And, and, and that's the thing is with Ghostbusters walking out, I can tell you right now that because of that film, I had more of an interest in... Uh, paranormal investigation yeah, yeah. and ghost mm-hmm. and if they're real or not you know and uh seeing ghost shows now that it, it you know it makes me angry because i know a lot of them are fake yeah. but i also believe in that <laughs> but unfortunately there's so many fakes out there yeah. that the, the anything that is true, you know, it's hard to even weed that out. Yeah, it kind of gives it a bad name. It's yeah. it, one thing. One thing I loved about Ghostbusters was it. Um, it the the good guys were scientists. The the cool guys were these like scientists that created the you know the small business. But like you're talking about, it's it's hard when there's like the, the you know the guys out there faking the stuff. It's hard mm-hmm. for the the scientists who actually try to study the stuff to be taken seriously exactly. because there's like these charlatans out there. And it, sometimes you need a guy like Walter Peck to come in there and separate the charlatans from the That's scientists. That's right. So, so, Chris, as someone who has worked in the legal field before, uh, I was watching this movie one time with a girl who was, uh, was in law school. And she said trying to sue someone uh, for wrongful prosecution isn't real. That's not actually possible. Uh, do you know if that is uh, possible to come at someone with wrongful prosecution? It's, it, you can't. I've never heard of that. Basically... He could come sue Walter. I mean, Walter Peck would basically have to come in there, and Walter Peck's going to uh, try to shut him down. Um, it would be more of a defamation thing right. if Walter Peck went publicly and said, uh, you know, these guys, without having any basis, these guys are, 
making it up. Yeah. You know, it'd be one of the, but, but I've never heard of suing for wrongful prosecution outside of, uh, I think I know what he meant, but it was probably, I'm not, he's not going to say, I'm going to sue you for defamation of character. Well, then a lot of the kids watching that movie is not going to know what that is. <laughs> yeah. Right. So I think that was probably Harold Ramis putting those terms in there. So just everybody understood it. And that was not, they didn't want to dwell on that, mm -hmm. but they wanted a quick way uh, for the audience to understand what was going on. That's what I think about yeah. that. I think it probably would be in, in their better interest to, instead of suing the EPA, maybe hire a lobbyist for the ghost busting industry to come in. And, you know, that's uh, kind of how you deal with the EPA is you hire people to go in and speak on your behalf uh, for, for an industry. But if you think about it, he says, I'll, you can have it what your way, Mr. Vinkman, uh, and, I'll, and I'll come back with a court order. Mm -hmm. All the court order, in theory, would have been... Like, I would have thought the court order had been just to come see it. Right, yeah. Not to shut it off. Yeah, because you'd have to prove first that yeah, it's, it's a... Yeah, you know, and, yeah. and that's, again, it's, it, it's, that's the movie part of it, right. getting, you know, mm -hmm. to where that's not... They, I think they don't have three and a half hours. Yeah. They have an hour and 48 <laughs> to minutes. To show the process of going down to the so district and filing the court I order. I get yeah. that. That's, that's another one of those things that yeah. if there was a book... Which, uh, if there was a book, they could have maybe explained that a mm. little bit better. Fan fiction, there you go. <laughs> you know, that's the thing. It's like, how about man, how about make a book after? You know, yeah. with explain a little bit more in detail things. That's the kind of thing I would love to see. Is the five year period between them? You know, uh, basically going out of business and then uh, Ghostbusters two picking up. In fact, that's something that I always found interesting was that they go out of business at the end of this movie. Yeah, yeah. I, I like the stories that pick up and everybody's in a bad place or things yeah. have changed. Like. Star Trek is to Star Trek the Next Generation. All of a sudden, the Klingons are in the Federation. They were the bad guys in the first one. What happened? How did they, you know, get to this good point? But them them going out of business, and that's that's another thing that you know it 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 goes to the point of not everybody knew saw the ghost. Yeah, of course, yeah. if everybody saw what we saw, how could they go out of business? Right. They saved the city. Well, not everybody was seeing that. Yes. So a lot of people only saw the outside or a little bit of that. So you see, that's 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 one of those things that, you know, there had to be they have to be more proof of what they were doing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's like the little kid says in Ghostbusters, too. Like my dad said, you guys were bogus and that's why you went out of business. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, even, the, you know, they didn't make a point to show police cameras or, you know, police cameras, excuse me, news footage of the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. So back in, right. in the 80s, you could have just been like, dude, you wouldn't believe it. Last night we saw a giant, uh, you know, Marshmallow Man stomp on cars. Be like, oh, prove it to me. Well, I can't, you know. Yeah. yeah so, it's like, OK, sure. Yeah. Not everybody had a cell phone back then where they could whip it out and just get footage of the funny, uh, Stay Puft funny, Marshmallow Man. Funny little note on. The kid that said that, you know who that is, right? No, who's that? Jason, Jason Reitman, Reitman. Really? Academy director Award. of Up in the Air. Yeah, really? Academy Award nominated director. He's a great director. director. I really like mm -hmm. his stuff, yeah. So this uh, scene in Ghostbusters is, we started to talk about how the movie's sort of like taking an adult turn and starting to get into sort of like adult areas that kids, you know, uh, aren't really going to understand and everything. We, we suddenly, I think for the first time in the movie, see Peter step out of his Peter Venkman uh, character and start yelling about, you know, you know, you go get a court order and I'll sue you for wrongful prosecution and stuff. It's I think it's the first time that we really see him break his character. He wasn't a jokester right there. Right. He meant exactly. Business. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. 
And yeah, I agree totally. But it's it still, it, it is consistent with his character though, that he would, you know, kind of like get insulted because not being called doctor and make a bad decision that ends up dooming the Ghostbusters. Yeah. He's emotional. Yeah. But he's not goofy. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right there. So, so uh, now one thing I wanted to say is uh, we were talking earlier about people that uh, know Ghostbusters and don't know Ghostbusters. Right. Well, I remember my first, uh, serious girlfriend in college so we go on a first date we go to a movie we uh uh go to dinner go to dinner and then movie. i don't know what we did first we go to dinner then a movie and then we end up coming back to my place and what gets put on ghostbusters and what a better test of whether or not it's like and she was perfectly fine with that there you go watching that whole movie yeah and I can say that that relationship didn't didn't fail because of that. <laughs> and one, but but it, it was kind of funny, and it, yeah. and it set the mood for um, actually whether or not I would be friends with just friends or not. And uh, after that, I found out that it was going to be more than just friends. <laughs> so, uh, well, that that kind of stuff is really important when you're when you're when you're with somebody. You want to make sure that you kind of have the core things that you like, you know. So if you put on Ghostbusters and she was just like, "Oh, this movie's so why can't we watch Remains of the Day?" Or exactly. something like that. You'd be I mean, like, she "Well, she was perfectly fine with that. She liked it and and you know, and I don't know what her, her level of like was it, but she watched it." Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I can say that no uh nothing was done till after the movie. <laughs> there you uh, go. You so she talked about for it. it. Yeah. You know, that's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. No, there are things that I've been with some uh, like dating somebody and they put it on and I'm like, this isn't my thing, but I'm going to open myself up to the possibilities of me liking this thing and at least sit here and watch it. And I felt like, well, I'm doing somebody a favor for that, you know, so that's important too that somebody at least attempts to like, you know, yeah. the stuff you like. Well, let me ask you this. Um, mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on where the story ended up? Like, uh, let's say with Ghostbusters 2. Are you a fan of that movie? And what are your thoughts? I like Ghostbusters 2 just because I like Ghostbusters. Right. If I wasn't a big fan of Ghostbusters and just liked it okay, I wouldn't have liked Ghostbusters 2 as not as much. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bill Murray didn't like Ghostbusters 2 that much. Right. Um, I think there were some there were some memorable parts about it. I mean, Vigo mm-hmm. is is a great character. Janos is a great character. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of the things they did with that are cool. The river of slime, uh, uh, you know, an ectoplasmic slime flow of immense proportions building into the city. That's, uh, you know, it's, it's coming about because of negative human emotions, you know, (laughs) that's pretty cool. And that's a good, that's a good premise. The problem that they had with that and even the going out of business thing, even though they didn't explain it. To me, where that movie went wrong is then they started to do the same thing again. Yeah. They could they have to do that a different way. I don't know what that way would have been, but I guarantee you I could probably think about it for a few days and I think I'd come up with a better idea. Yeah. But the cool things that happened, like when the Titanic arrived, that's cool. Yeah. Um I I, I think that was really neat. Uh, uh so they have a lot of neat things. I think the whole uh, human emotion relationship between Peter and Dana with the way that all happened and the baby, you know, you can get, I think that's for the people that grew up with the movie, you know, that are a little bit more mature. That's okay. You could get people on, on board with that. Mm-hmm. Um, it fell down with the whole same thing at the end, the way yeah. they did it. 
they could have done a better job with that. It was never going to be as good as the first, but it could have been another star. Right. You know, they could have done a better job with it. And uh, so that's the thing that's disappointing with it. But, uh, you know, so I enjoyed it. But it's like I feel you feel like cheated as a real fan because I think, uh, you know, they could have done a better job with that screenplay. Yeah. I, you know, I, I feel like that's probably a studio mandate is that a lot of the studio executives would probably come in and say like, well, we won't, don't want you to go too far from what you did in the first one because mm-hmm. they, they don't understand audiences desire to see the characters doing new things. I think we, mm-hmm. we love Peter Vankman. We love Ray Stance. We love Egon Spangler and we love them fighting ghosts. The other stuff is completely ancillary, you know, like put them in a crazy situation. Let these creative artists who, who knocked the ball out of the park in the first one be artists and do what they're, you know, do their thing. When they come in and they say like, okay, in the first movie at 10 minutes, this thing happens. So we need a parallel to that in this movie. Right. At 15 minutes, this needs to happen. Oh, Winston didn't show up until 35 minutes and that worked in the first one. Go ahead and keep him for no good reason off screen until 35. I feel like it gets to the point where, and I guess the whole world goes round about money, mm-hmm. but they knew that would work and they knew that would make money. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But it wouldn't leave a legacy. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the, the, the first, there's a legacy because of the first one. Yeah. The second one wasn't going to leave a legacy because all they were, it looked like they were just, they knew they could make money and they did it. I don't necessarily think that's wrong, mm-hmm. but as a true fan, fan of the original screenplay, it leaves it lets those people down. Yeah, yeah. All right, great. Well, Chris, thank you so much for joining us today. I uh, really appreciate you coming in and doing this. Thank you so much for having me. Well, we, I think this went swimmingly. We'd love to have you on in the future if there's another minute you want to come back for. So the I would open. love to be a part of anything, Ghostbusters or any other uh, movies that I find as interesting as this one. Awesome. And I'm going to get some pictures of you in your Ghostbusters uh, costume, by the way, to put up on, uh, on our Facebook page if you don't For mind. sure. Okay, for cool. Sure. All right, Brady, you got anything else? That's it for me. Same here. Well, folks, we're going to be back again tomorrow with minute number 48, so please join us uh, for that. For Chris, for Brady, and myself, we're here to remind you that death is but a door, time a window. We'll be back. (laughs) Ghostbusters Minute is a fan-supported podcast. To become a patron of Ghostbusters Minute and gain access to exclusive weekly bonus content, visit us at patreon.com slash gbminute. If you like the podcast, then leave us a review on iTunes. You can contact us at ghostbustersminute at gmail.com and visit us online at ghostbustersminute.com. Facebook.com slash Ghostbusters Minute, Twitter.com slash GB Minute, and look us up on Instagram at Ghostbusters Minute. Our theme song is Ectoplasm by Audionautics, which is licensed under the Creative Commons Attributions License. Mm-hmm.